0: Well, I was really pleased when um, Pads asked me to speak um, from, to Peter, because you always feel like Peter is one of us, really, don't you? He is um, the sort of guy who has great days and also has really bad days, and um, I think we can, we can all identify with that. And um, there's so many key figures in the New Testament, and probably Peter and Paul stand out above them all. But Peter was the one who, as he says um, a little bit later in this chapter, he was an eyewitness to, uh, to Jesus, to, to so many amazing things that happened during Jesus' ministry, his miracles, his healing, the terrible lead up to his crucifixion, and then of course his resurrection and ascension into heaven. So Peter was there as, a, as an eyewitness. And he did have some great days and some bad days. I mean, the highlights of Peter's uh, time in the New Testament Maybe we remember him walking on water. He was the disciple who stepped out of the boat um, and walked on water. He was referred to by Jesus as the rock on which Jesus would build his church, and he proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. And then in Acts, he very boldly stood up and proclaimed the gospel, bringing thousands to faith, telling them what they must do to be saved, to repent and be baptized, and that they would receive forgiveness and eternal life. So those were really good days for Peter. But he also had some pretty terrible days as well. He, of course, he was the one who said that he would never deny Christ, but ended up denying him three times. He was a bit of a hothead he um one of the gospels tells us that um, when the um high priest's servant came with, with um the various people who came to arrest jesus that he cut off this servant's ear so in a, in a fit of impulsiveness he he uh he did that much to uh, jesus displeasure he um he rebuked jesus when jesus told him what um, what must happen to him he rebuked him and said no lord that must never happen to you And he questioned God when God told him what to eat. So there were lots of um, bad days that that Peter had. Um, And even later on when he became a leader in the church, uh, Paul called him to account and accused him of hypocrisy when he was treating the Gentiles differently uh, when prominent Jews were around. So Peter, uh, he was just like us really. He had good days and he had bad days. He had days when he, he just... Put his foot in his mouth, and he had days when um, he just yeah just did totally the wrong thing and we 've all had days like that haven 't we where we think, oh, I wish i hadn't said that, and I really wish um, I ha- or I wish I had said that i wish'd stood up for, i wish i'd stood up for Jesus that, at that moment and instead i I kept quiet so we've all I think we can all identify with peter, so that 's why I think it's uh, you know, it's fascinating to 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 look at his letters, because he, he left us two letters uh, as part of the New Testament. And the first one was really um, a letter of encouragement and hope to those believers facing persecution. And this second letter was written um, two or three years later, and it was right at the end of Peter's life. He knew. That his life was coming to an end, that he would be martyred for his faith in Jesus, and uh, he actually refers to that uh, towards the end of our passage. And so, I was sensing a real, a real sense of urgency and, and passion in this letter, and he really wanted to uh, to speak to those who um, had come to faith, but. Um, Some of them had had heard false teachings. We learn later again in the the letter that false teachers were coming in. And he was concerned that people uh, would stumble in their faith and and not hold fast to the promises and the the faith that they had had come to. So there's a real urgency there, um, I feel. And as I was reading this letter, the, the phrase that came to mind uh, really which is what I was going to t- entitle this, uh, this talk, is be intentional. And that's something that the Lord's really been speaking to me about over the last couple of years in, in different ways. And, um, and I'll share a little bit more about that as we go on. But he really wants to encourage us to, uh, very early on in this passage, in verse 3 and going forward. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through that glory and goodness, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So the promises of God that are for those who choose to place their trust in Jesus are are amazing that gift of faith that he gives us when we turn from our sin and we we choose to follow him and to trust him. He promises us that he will forgive us, he'll cleanse us and that he will give us eternal life to live with him forever. And that is because of his, his goodness and his mercy. It's nothing that we need to do. We just need to respond to that invitation. But then something happens. We, we, we have that gift of faith. We, we say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Um, you are good. I trust you. I believe in you. You are amazing. But then something else happens. We get that gift of faith, but we also get a gift, um, the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside us. That is literally Jesus Christ living inside us by his Holy Spirit, which is so amazing. And we get everything that is good. We get all of the characteristics of God in living inside us, but they're just like a little just like a little seed. And then we need to work with the Holy Spirit to, to bring these things to growth and maturity. And Peter uses a phrase um, three times in this passage, twice for us as the, as the receivers of the letter, and once about himself. Make every effort. Make every effort. For us, make every effort to work with the Holy Spirit, to add to our faith. Our faith is wonderful, but we need to add to it. And there's a whole list of great qualities here. Some of them are actually also listed as the fruit of the Spirit in, um, in Galatians. So we've got a list of making an effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. And these are things that don't just happen. They happen when we, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But there's another word that Peter uses quite a lot in this passage, and that is knowledge. He uses it, I think it's four or five times in the space of nine, words. Sorry, nine verses. So what's that knowledge all about? Knowledge of God. Well, knowledge of God is not about um, an academic knowledge of God. Knowledge of God is about a relationship with God, spending time with him and learning about him, learning that he is trustworthy, learning that he keeps his promises, learning that he is good. And how do we do that? How do we gain that knowledge of God and, and grow our relationship with him? Well, it's the same way that we grow any relationship. It's about spending time with with somebody. It's about being vulnerable with them. It's about sharing our um, our fears and our hopes and our disappointments and um, yeah, times when we really are, are in despair. Because unless we get really real with him, then we can't. We don't allow him to to really pour out his love and then we don't trust him because if we don't know him then we don't trust him. When I first um, came to faith there was um, Somebody gave me a little booklet uh, called Why Jesus, and some of you may have seen it. When I looked for my copies of Why Jesus at Home, uh, I could only find the Why Christmas version, but, <laughs> which wasn't that helpful, although most of, the, most of the information is the same. But there was, a, there was a, um, a sentence which really jumped out at me and really started me thinking about what was missing in my life. And it was, you and I were created to live in a relationship with God until we find that relationship, there will always be something missing in our lives. And that is what really started me off on my journey towards, uh, towards faith, towards putting my trust in Jesus. Because I, I heard that. I heard that. And something in me responded. And um, Paul says in, um, I think it's in Romans, that um, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And when we come to faith, somebody tells us something about God. Somebody tells us something about Jesus. And we want that. We want that relationship with Jesus. But we need to work on it. We need to make every effort. And um, Peter goes on to say in uh, verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about things growing on an ongoing basis. We don't have to do everything all at once. It's, it's an ongoing basis, an ongoing um, process with God. But it has to be something intentional. Because I don't know about you, but if you, I don't know whether you find that if you have a few weeks where you don't pick up your Bible or you don't pray or you don't, maybe don't come to church or spend time with, with other believers, you can start to feel a bit cut adrift. You can start to feel as if God's not such a big part of your life, not such a, a big part of, um, you know, of your everyday life, that he's, he's just just a little bit distant. And it's not him that's distant, it's us. We've, that We've wandered away. And so that relationship, we have to be so intentional about keeping that relationship going. Because otherwise, he warns, whoever does not have these qualities through, through that relationship with Jesus is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So again, we can lose that 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 gratefulness and that wonder, that that, that real sense of his mercy and his his great love for us, what he's done for us by giving his life so that we can have a relationship with him. We lose that wonder and we lose that, that sense of relationship. And so Peter is saying, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. And in the Amplified Bible... Confirm also says strengthen, to strengthen your calling. It's a bit like um, have strengthening your muscles for, um, for action. There's so many um, references uh, to the Christian life that also correspond to uh, somebody going into training um, and building up their muscles, building up their strength so that they can endure and persevere, which is one of the one of those other qualities that Peter spoke about. And of course that For some of you, know that that's quite relevant to me in my life. Um, On the twenty-first of April, I ran the London Marathon, and um, you know that is twenty-six point two (laughs) miles, and I ran every mile. But it didn't actually—I didn't actually wake up on the morning of the twenty-first of April and think, "I'm going to run a marathon today." That process started a lot earlier. In fact, it started when I was very fed up with myself about two years ago. And sometimes, in faith, you you look at someone and you think, "I would never have believed that that person could have come to Jesus." You know, they may 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 have had a terrible past, have done some terrible, terrible things, been the the, the most um, fixed atheist you could imagine, and yet God's grace is enough. And at His word, they they have believed and I was in a position where I had um, I'd struggled with my weight all my life when I was at school my um, PE teacher told me I was the worst tennis player she'd ever seen and um, I sort of took that on really I then was the non-sporty chubby one who really wasn't going there with anything to do with, with fitness but about Four years ago now, um, I I, I took on a position of leadership in a women's ministry and I really felt God say to me, Tracy, you're in this position and if you're going to cope with this position, you're going to need to look at three things. And he gave me a picture of a tripod and he said, your your diet and your sleep and your exercise, they all need to be in balance, otherwise your tripod is going to come crashing to the floor. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, i got that. But I didn't really, I paid it lip service really. And two years later, I was um, really in despair, feeling really ill, really ill physically, upset that I was still struggling with my weight, feeling very unhealthy. And I started training with a friend who'd become a, a personal trainer. She was a Christian. And she has it logged in her book that the first time we went out for a run, I ran for under two minutes before I had to give up. And we started very slowly and... God was really with us, we prayed, we prayed about my diet, we prayed about, um, about what to do next and, and slowly I started to do different, different runs and I ran a 5k and a 10k and then I did a 10 mile and then I did a half marathon and I thought, well, yeah, nobody who would want to run double the distance. Um, so after my half marathon, I thought, well, that's it really. But then I felt God really nudging me and saying, actually, I've got quite a lot still to teach you. Um, about trusting me and depending on me and um, so I signed up for the London Marathon through my work and um, I went to a seminar and um, the very first thing that they said when I sat down at my marathon seminar was there's three things you need to remember in marathon training you need to remember your diet you need to remember your rest and you need to get your training right and I thought ah I've heard that somewhere before and God reminded me of my tripod and I just had to laugh. I thought, well, yeah, I didn't really listen last time around so really you've got me running a marathon to get the message through to me. So of course I went on this seminar and I read lots of books and I talked to lots of people who um, had run marathons and I, and I, yeah, read lots And but at the end of the day it all came down to me. It all came down to me and God and me being very intentional about my focus, about my goal, changing a lot of things, changing my habits, changing my diet, changing my sleeping patterns, um, and changing, and, and having a very, very disciplined routine. And I am not a disciplined person. I hold my hand up and say, I, um, I found it difficult to, um, to stick to things. And, but having that goal and, and feeling that God was with me made such a difference, and it really spoke to me about being intentional in other areas of, of my life, and, and when I read, this, read this, um, this passage, it really struck me that Peter really wants us to be so intentional about our faith. He doesn't want us to forget what Jesus has done for us, but also what, what, what he's given us. He's given us that Holy Spirit who has given us the divine power, everything that we need to live a godly life. And what do we do with that Holy Spirit? Are we working with the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing him to to grow us and transform us in all of these different areas? Goodness, love, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. Are we we allowing him to, to, to transform us day by day? We only allow that when we trust him. And we only trust him when we know him. And we only know him when we spend time with him. And Peter makes no um, excuse for the fact that he's reminding people of these things. He says, even though you know them. And we can so often be like that um, in the church. We can say, yeah, I know that scripture. I know that. I know, I know, I know, I know. And it reminded me of something that Joyce Meyer once said. And uh, some of you know her, the American Bible teacher. And she said one day she was praying about what to speak about for her message. And she felt the Lord say, tell them I love them. And she said, oh Lord, they know that. It was almost like, oh, that's old hat. I can't tell them that. And she felt the Lord say, Joyce, they don't know. Because if they did, they would live their lives very differently. And so Peter wanted to keep reminding, keep reminding us of what we have. And that really our our goal is to know him. Just as Paul said, my, my desire is to know him. And it's so easy to forget, isn't it? I find with this example I've just given with the with the marathon, I was so focused. I was so focused. I was in for me tip top condition. But since that day, you know, two or three months ago now. I've completely lost my focus and I've put on weight, I I find myself going to bed late and getting up too early so I'm overtired and then when I'm tired I crave junk food and this is just a big wake up call to me I can tell you. I am completely preaching to myself here. Um, I've forgotten, I've lost my focus and I need to get back to that intentionality in that area of my life. But what areas of intentionality do you need to get back to with God? He's always there. He's so patient with us. He's always there waiting when we come back and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've taken my eye off the ball in that area. He's always waiting and patient and wanting us to come back and give our hearts back to him. So I just want to encourage us all, really, to um, to really spend some time with God and ask him, Lord, am I, am I making every effort? Am I making every effort to really grasp what you've given me and to grow in you and to really work towards maturity? Because we're here. We're here to grow more like Jesus and produce good fruit. And we can't do that unless we, we know him and allow him to be at work within us. So I really want to encourage us to to really reflect on that over the next week and ask ask the Lord, what areas of our lives have we lost that focus? Have we lost that intentionality? And And what are we doing about our relationship with God? How close are we? How close are you to God at this moment? And we're going to be praying at the end of the service for anyone who would like to pray, uh, would like to come, come up and, and really recommit to God and really say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to make every effort in the light of what you've given me. And if you've never, ever given your life to Christ, if you've never, ever said, yes, Lord, I've heard your call and I want to, I want to come. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want, I want to turn away from the past, from my sins. I want to come to you and spend eternity with you. If that's you, do come up for prayer as well, because the Lord, as Peter says, the Lord Lord is patient. He doesn't want anyone, anyone to miss out on eternal life. He's patiently waiting for all of us to hear his call and come to him. Amen.